Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to speak to you today about being chosen for greatness. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I've been mulling over, meditating on, declaring over my life over and over and over again. And it says, I, Andrew McGrath, I, put your name there, I, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What an amazing verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the Amplified Classic Version, it says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient with Christ's sufficiency. Do you hear that today? See, for the anointing of God to flow through you, you've got to believe what God says about you. That's the deal. If you want the greatness of God, His sufficiency, His power, His capacity to flow through your body, you've got to believe what God says about you. If you don't believe it, no power. No power flowing through. But if you believe that you are energized, that you have the capacity of the kingdom in you, you were born for greatness, you were chosen by God, His power will flow through you. Is anyone hearing this? You are the greatest limitation or the greatest enabler of God's power in you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've said that over and 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 over. Because the Bible says in John that his words are spirit and they are life. This is not just a Bible verse. See, don't look at it like this. We need to tremble at the word because when you read the word and you say it over yourself, it is literally the very spirit and life of God energizing your body. This is not Reader's Digest. This is not the newspaper. This is the living word of God. It has the seed of God in it. It, has, it is spirit and it's life. And as you read that, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. As you declare this over your life, something begins to change. And I wonder what's wrong with daft Christians who leave their Bible in their closet all week and then they come to church and they wonder why they're defeated and negative, why nothing goes right. The, the problem is not the problem. The way you think about the problem is the problem. And so you get into the word of the Lord and it begins to change the way you think. And I'm going to unpack this scripture with a number of points today. And it's going to change your world. Amen. So you ready? Yeah. I want to build by the presence of the Lord. And he's enabling big people in this church. Amen. But I'm against small thinking. I'm against minimizing the kingdom. I'm against everything that reduces the Lord to a cake stall. Amen. Are you hearing me? And I love cakes, but I'm against that. I'm against small-mindedness because the Bible teaches us that God takes great joy in increase, increased capacity. I was just reading this week, and this is not in my sermon, but 
the parable of the talents when the man with five talents or the person with five talents, the woman, they multiply those talents. The owner says, the master says, well done, I'm going to give you more. Enter into the joy of your master. That tells me something that when you increase and when you multiply, you enter into his joy. His joy is in your multiplication. When you begin to expand and think bigger, God gets excited. I know a lot of people will think that God takes great joy in your poverty, in your smallness, in your brokenness. It's the opposite. God is excited about increased capacity. It thrills his heart to see growth, increase, progression. I am chosen by God. This is the focus of this verse at the very beginning. Paul says, I. And I am convinced that a lot of believers think that song, Jesus, please don't pass me by, that he's passed them by, that somehow that you just don't qualify. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. This is not your idea. See, a lot of us think, when I, when I accepted Jesus into my life, when I came to him, you didn't come to him, he came to you. You were too silly. You were lost in your sin. You were dark. There's no way that you could ever choose Jesus in your sin. There's nothing about you that wanted him. He put the faith in your heart and you said yes because he warmed your heart. He said, I choose you. You are here today not because of your brilliance, but because of the wooing of the Holy Ghost. If you're here today, God chose you. He doesn't choose misfits. He doesn't make mistakes. There is something magnificent about your life. And there is a spirit of self-pity, of rejection that wants to get into the church and it wants you to think that God has passed me by. I'm not chosen. I'm not qualified. I rebuke that because that's not of God. He says, I chose you. When Jesus chose the disciples, they didn't come to him and said, hey, Jesus, maybe it'd be a good idea if I became a disciple. No, he chose those he wanted to himself. He chose them out of the crowd. He said, you, you, and you, I'll have you. Me? Yeah, you, you. And that's what God does. He picks us. He picks us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen race. This church is a chosen family. We are chosen by God. We're it. He says, I'll choose you to change this city. Who? Us? 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 Are you sure? Yeah, you. I choose you. And that's how you need to carry yourself. I am chosen by God. I don't know why, but I am. I'm chosen. I am a chosen child. So you need to lift your head up high and begin to believe that God has chosen you to change this city. Well, I don't know. If you truly believe that, something would change within. I choose you. I choose you. Oh, maybe the person next to me. No, you. I, I, I choose you. I choose you. Why am I harping on this? Because there is a spirit Sent from the enemy, it's, it's called an orphan spirit. It is a spirit of rejection and self-pity. That's how a lot of the, that's the posture of many much of the church is this. It should be this, but it's this. Why have you neglected me? Where are you, God? Why don't you love me anymore? He says, No, I choose you. And if I change my mind, I'll let you know. And he's not going to change his mind. 
I choose you. Yeah, but you don't know. He doesn't choose you because you're great. Look, you know, Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, You are holy, set-apart people to the Lord. And the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people of the faces of the earth. And then he gives us a reality check. He says, I didn't choose you because you were smart and powerful. In fact, you were the weakest, smallest tribe talking to Israel on the face of the earth. Isn't it amazing that even today, here's a little nation that is almost controlling all the news of the world, all the focus is on this nation because God chose Israel. And now some people say, well, you know, Israel is no longer part of God's plan. Let me tell you something. When God chooses somebody, you remain chosen by God. You remain chosen. And, and, And this is amazing now that we see more Jews have Nobel Peace Prizes. More Jews become millionaires. More Jews make movies than per, per capita than any other nation because they are chosen by God. They believe that. Where will the church believe they are chosen by God? Uh, don't feel chosen today. It's all about your feelings. See, feelings follow thoughts. And, and, and our belief system. The reason you're feeling not chosen is because you don't believe you're chosen. Feelings are an indicator, a true indicator of what you believe. So are my feelings true? Yes, they're true. If you're asking the question, do they represent or uh, radiate what I think? But what I think may not be true. So my feelings aren't reflecting reality. They are just reflecting what I believe. So you can say, I don't feel loved. Well, just think you are. And you'll feel it. Just believe you are. Read the word and say, God loves me. And then you'll feel loved. Maybe not today, but it will happen. So you've had years of thinking wrong. Now you're feeling wrong. I don't feel chosen. Well, guess what? You are. That's the truth. God says you are chosen. Romans 16, 13 says, greet Rufus. Greet Rufus. Great name, Rufus. Greet him, Paul says, chosen or a favorite in the Lord. Paul sends his greetings to Rufus and said, you are chosen man. Now this man's father was the man that carried the cross for Jesus, picked out of a crowd. Now Rufus is in that same line, knowing that he was picked out. It was almost like a coincidence, but it wasn't. God had planned that. He picks out Rufus's father. He carries the cross for Jesus. He encounters Jesus at the cross. And now his son is walking in that same understanding that God picks out people and chooses them. There is no such thing as a coincidence. You're not here because of your great planning. You're not here because someone invited you. You are here because God chose you. 1 Samuel 10, 20, won't you turn with me? Saul was chosen from the scrap heap to be a king. This is King Saul in 1 Samuel 10, 20. Do you remember the story that Samuel is, is uh, he's brought to the tribes of Israel and it says that he then began to cast by lot. He cast the lot of Benjamin. And as you read the story, God is narrowing down like a little beam, tribe, family, Son, Saul, I choose you. And here is Saul, and it says when they found him, he was hiding under the baggage. King, head and shoulders above everyone, 
but he's hiding under his pain. And God comes to people that are broken, that have got all sorts of issues, and he goes, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I can see you through your baggage. I can see you through your problems. I can see you through your rejection, and I choose you. And when he stood up, when God chose him, it says he stood up and he was head and shoulders above everyone. When you get a revelation that God has chosen you, you will begin to stand out amongst the crowd. When God calls you and you get a revelation that you are chosen, you will stand out. You will stand out. Should I say it again? You will stand out. Well, I don't know how to, get, how to be successful and how to be promoted. Act like you are chosen to make a difference. Conduct yourself. Dress yourself. Smell like that. Speak like that. Uh, work like that. That I am the answer to this city. Get out of bed with focus for the day. This is my calling. I am called to make a difference. And you will be head and shoulders. Why? Because most people don't believe they're chosen. So you've already got the upstart. Think you're chosen, believe you're chosen, and you will succeed. I, Andrew McGrath, chosen from the foundation of the world to change this world. The apple of his eye, God's favorite. Did you know that I'm God's favorite? And so are you. God's got such a big heart, he can have millions of favorites. You're chosen by him. Mephibosheth is a great name for a son. Chosen by the king, yet crippled. His grandfather was Saul, his father was Jonathan. Jonathan made a covenant with David. And when you make a covenant, you say, All that I have is yours, all you have is mine. Your family's my family, my family's yours. If you die, I take care of your family. If I die, you take care of my family. In the heat of the battle, Saul and Jonathan both die on the same day. News goes back to Jerusalem. The servant grabs this young boy and begins to run out of Jerusalem. And as he's running, he trips and falls. And this young boy is crippled. But he's still chosen. He's crippled as a result of the fall. Now, that reminds me of, of Adam. Crippled as a result of the fall. It reminds me of people crippled as a result of the fall. Are you hearing this? They've lost their understanding that they are chosen. And that day, something shifted in this boy's life. He was the son of a king, royalty. Now he's crippled as a result of the fall. And he finds himself in a place called Lodabar, which means wasteland. When you don't know that you're chosen by God, you will live in a wasteland. There'll be no fruitfulness, no joy. You'll always be insecure, wondering whether God loves you or not. You won't carry a disposition of a king because you're crippled. But God's still chosen you. And I love that David, he wakes up one day and he thinks, you know what? Is there anyone that I can show covenant kindness unconditional love that belongs to the house of Saul. And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, there's this young boy and he's crippled. And, and so David calls him into the palace and the boy comes in and, and, and the boys, David can see that he's not living like he's chosen. David wants to bless him. He says, you know what? Everything that's been stolen from you, I'm going to give it back. The boy says, why would you bless a dead dog like me? David was ticked off. David said, because 
of your father. I love this story because he then ushers him into the table and he says, this is your place. You sit at the king's table. When you're not chosen is a life of shame and rejection. The very thing that caused him shame and rejection was his legs. And now David's hiding his legs under his table of provision. No one can see that anymore. And see what happens when God chooses you. He will hide all your shame. He will hide all your rejection and his provision. When you get a revelation that you're chosen, his provision will cover all the shame, all the rejection. It will make the difference. Do you know this boy's name? It meant literally to shatter in pieces the idols of shame. And that's what he was. When you're chosen by God, you will shatter in pieces the idol of shame. Isaiah 61 says, I'll give you double for your trouble, double for your shame. Are you hearing this today? God's chosen you. This boy had lived so long with rejection and shame. When all he had to do was say, you know what? Wake up one day, I'm chosen. There's a man that's in covenant relationship with my father. And all I need to do is remind him and remind myself and my position will go from a slave to a son in a moment. God wants to cover your shame. But the key is you've got to realize that you are chosen by God. Bartimaeus was another one. Earth had called him not chosen and rejected. God had called him chosen. Do you remember the story when he's begging by the wayside? You know, he's a picture of a man that's not progressing in life. And you see people like that. They're rejected. They, they, they carry this aura about them. They're not progressing. And deep in their lives, the problem is they don't believe God loves them and has chosen them. So God, uh, Jesus speaks to him and says, what do you want, Bartimaeus? He says, I want to see like you see when you see me. That's what I want. I want to see who I truly am. I want to see life the way it was meant to be. Now, I wrote about this in my book, but Bartimaeus is an amazing word because it has two meanings, one in Aramaic, one in the Greek. In Aramaic, it means son of defilement, son of dishonor. It, it, it's son of the unclean. It's a terrible name. But in the Greek, it means son of honor. See, there's the way your earthly father sees you and the way that your heavenly father sees you. All around you, people might have said, I don't choose you. You're the last picked on the football team. You're the last picked uh, to be part of a party, whatever it might be. You may have been rejected all your life, but God says, I still choose you. I choose you. And that's what makes the difference. God chooses me. See, your self-image is like a governing tool. It repels and it attracts. If you truly love yourself, and I've fallen in love with myself more and more than I ever have, and so should you. The Bible teaches us that we'll go through the fire and whatever is not of God, straw, hay, stubble, it'll be burned up. Anything that's not the real you will be burned up because God wants the real you in heaven. He doesn't want the false you. doesn't want the you that you've taken on from other people's opinion. He wants the you as he sees you. Are you getting this? So I love me. And you should love you as well. And love me as well. <laughs> Self-image is like a governing tool. It attracts or repels. Remember in Mark 4 it says, The sower sows the seed. And as he sows the seed, there's a tree that grows and it attracts the birds of the air. And we've taught here that as you sow seeds of self-image and, and the understanding that you're chosen of God, 
It attracts the birds into your trees or the angelic host into your world, your perimeter. The more you have a strong self-image, the more the angels are attracted. A negative image is a stinky image and it attracts demons. They feed off negativity. If you go around with an Eeyore mentality, you will attract a flow of demonic oppression and depression. But if you attract with your right thoughts about the way God sees you, all of a sudden angels come to your aid. They heed the word of the Lord, do they not? Are you getting this? So self-image is like a governing thing. It attracts, it repels, and it speeds up and it slows down. A good self-image speeds up. A bad self-image slows down the progress of your life. It's a bit like sitting the cruise control of your life. See, if you have a cruise control set at, say, 120 k's, it's, it's going it's, it's to fang. It's going to get you there fast. And you may hit some mountains and some hills along the way. And you'll know that when you set a cruise control, when you come up a hill, it, it, the engines rev up. It may not keep the same speed, but when you get over that hill, you'll be back at 120 k's. So when you've got a strong self-image, you may face mountains and problems. Difficulties may come, but very soon you'll be back where you were. You might have one bad day, but not two. Are you getting this? Yeah. But a, a bad self-image, you might set the, uh, the cruise control at 30 k's. And I know people like that, and they always get in front of me. And um, you may go down a hill, and you may speed up. You may get lucky for a day and have a good day. But guess what? Your negative self-image will soon slow you down back to where you were. That's what it is, self-image. It's a governing tool. When you believe you are chosen, it sets the speed for your life. Are you hearing this? The Bible says that we set the boundaries of our life. You don't understand often how powerful your attitudes and your speech are in setting your world. Where you are today may just be from what you have spoken and what you have thought. But we don't like that because we want to blame our cat, our dog, our mom. You know, I've told you stories of my mom burning my teddy bear. And I was, it, 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 it cost me 10 years of my life. And I've never gotten over it. And, and it's the government's fault. And it's, it's my boss's fault. No, you are responsible to set the boundaries. You believe you're chosen by him. You are chosen by him. Psalm 139 verse 13 tells us, how, how carefully God puts you together. You are chosen by him. And he says, my soul knows it's well. You've got to fall in love with yourself all over again. I know lots of people said self-image and all that, you know, it's of the devil. It's just not true. If you, see, what you think about yourself and what you say about yourself is more important than what God thinks about you and what God says when it comes to you. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. Because he can say you're strong, but if you say you're weak, your words will, will short-circuit what God says. That's called the power of the will. So what you think and what you say is even more important than what I say or think about you or what God says and thinks. Romans 8.15 says that the Holy Spirit, his assignment is to come into our heart. And then to cry out, Abba, Father. And he testifies with our spirit, listen, that we are God's children. Yeah. 
In other words, you know what he's saying to you today? You are chosen. That's his job. Now, if you don't feel chosen, that's not the Holy Ghost. Because he's got this thing. He continually repeats himself. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. Every day you wake up, he is testifying that we are God's children, that he is our Abba, and that he is in us, he has chosen us, and he loves us. That is his assignment. But two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. And I don't know what voices you're hearing in your head, but let me tell you, if it's rejection, self-pity, that's not the Holy Ghost. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. So that's the first word of the verse, I. I, I, I. God has called me. He has chosen me. And you know what? You can spend a whole week just on that first letter of that verse. I, I, I. Yeah. I think I can do that. I. Hmm. I can do. Can do. Can do. Can do. Do you know this word can do? Literally, the word do is from the Greek word iskus which means mighty ability. What he's saying is, I have mighty ability. That's the literally in the Greek. So I need to then have confidence in my ability. I need to understand, we said the first point was that we need to have an understanding we're chosen by God, but now we need to have confidence in our ability. See, the power of God can't flow through you unless you're confident in the ability that God has given you. If you lack confidence, no power. Chosen, now I'm confident in my ability. I can do. I have amazing ability. Did you hear that? You have amazing ability. Why? Because God's chosen you. And when God chooses someone, you need to know that you will be head and shoulders above everyone else. He will put his ability in you. So you'll be able to say, I have amazing ability. There is nobody in the kingdom that doesn't have amazing ability. Matthew 9, 27, Jesus said to two blind men, do you believe I can heal you? And and they said, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes and he said these words, according to... To your faith, be it unto you. The message puts it this way. You will become what you believe. Did you hear that? You will become what you believe. If you believe you have amazing ability, you will become what you believe. If you believe I have no ability, no talents, no giftings, no anointings, you will become what you believe. Paul says, I can do. I have incredible ability. And because he believed that, he became what he believed. So believe, God's giving me, God has given me amazing ability for the task that he's assigned to me. God's given that to me. I can do. If you have a negative environment, you'll get negative results. Because I said to you before, it's not the problem, but it's the thoughts about the problem that get you in trouble. Uh, Let me tell you something. I don't want to simplify it too much, but if you've got all the problems of the world, your problem, my problem, there's only a certain amount. And they've been multiplied in people's lives forever. So what you're experiencing today, somebody else has experienced. I know you think it's unique to you, and you've got problems that no one knows about. But I guarantee you, somewhere in the scope of history, somebody's had a problem just like yours. 
And guess what? They overcame. See, it's not the problem. It's the way you think about the problem. You become what you believe. And if you believe that you've got amazing capacity, you will become like that. But I believe, along with others, that discouragement and depression largely, so I'm making a little disclaimer, largely is rooted in the way that you think. You can medicate it and keep people quiet for a season. But you know what? Take the medication away and up pops the discouragement. Up pops the wrong thinking. Your problem is that you've become what you believed. If you change what you believe, you'll become that. Focus on mighty ability. Oh, but it's so hard. I tell you what, you're the only one that can change the way you believe. You've just got to get yourself up by the bootstraps. Sometimes I've got a verse in my in my Bible like this, and I make cards up like this, and I walk up and down my room, and I begin to uh, confess it because his word is spirit and life. This one says, the Lord will command the blessing on all your storehouses. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking today over my finances. From all the different sources where I've invested in, you are saying, come alive, prosper. I say that to myself. You said that you would bless everything I set my hand to. That's good, Lord because I've got my hands in a few pies. I want you to bless what I've got my hands on. Bless the church. Bless the people at Hope City. You said you'd bless the land that you give me. Thank you, Lord. You have amazing land for me. And even now, you are preparing people to leave houses for me to move into. You're getting ready for real estate agents to call me. You're bringing down the prices of houses to make it even more affordable. So the money I've got left over, I can plant into the kingdom. I begin to speak this over my life. You can sit on your bed and watch TV and moan and groan and remain depressed or get off your blessed assurance and stand up and begin to say, this is who I am. I have creative ability. I'm filled with his ability. I will go over because he's for me. Yeah. Are you getting this? That beats any medication. I'm not saying get off your medication. I'm saying get on to Jesus and then you'll get off your medication. I can do. I can do. I can do it. So believe, believe. See if you believe, you'll succeed. Mark, Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive. If you believe, you receive. So how about for the next 24 hours, give yourself a shock and think of just positive things. Whenever a negative thought comes about lack, what you can't do, depression, just say, I'm just going to park you for 24 hours. Just give it a go. It may shock your body. You may go into withdrawal symptoms. But just focus on the Lord. He says, if we set our mind on him, he will keep us in peace. He says, you know, you set your mind on me, I'll do the rest. I'll get you in peace, but you set your mind on me. So every, every time a bad thought comes, and you have, it's a war. We all, it, you're not unique. It's a war. You've got to discipline your mind. You've got to train yourself for godliness. You've got to focus on him. And we all have these things. You're not responsible for what comes into your head, but you're responsible to get it out of your head. You're responsible to say, no, you're the receptionist that says, no appointment made, see you later, alligator. You're out of here. Yeah? But for many of us, we, you know, we, we, we develop it. I've told you before, the enemies come to me and all of a sudden I'm planning my funeral. You know, I'm thinking, oh, she's going to be playing the piano and they're going to be singing my favorite song. And all of a sudden, what am I doing? 
Has it ever happened to you? I'm glad it's not just me. Maybe it is just me. But the enemy plays with us. You know, you have an ache in your foot, and all of a sudden it's gone up to your heart, and you're having open-heart surgery, and it's like, oh, where? That's before you get out of bed. You've got to say no. You've got to say no. Set your mind on things above. Focus on him. God's already got in the kingdom enough grasshoppers. He's got enough of those. More than enough. He's looking for can-do people. He's got enough David Carradines in the world with their grasshopper mentality, but he's looking for people that say, I can do. I can do. I can do it. I can do it. You've got to have confidence in your ability. You don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. You've just got to believe. See, a lot of us want to do God's job. He says, now, you let me be God and, and, and you be the believer. You believe in my power in you. You do that and then I'll go to work. We're trying to play his part. No, he says, no, let me do your part. You do your part. Your job is to believe. My part is to make it happen. When you believe, I'll set my fire off in you, my ability in you. It'll go to work. It will make it happen. You focus on me. It's a simple job, isn't it? Keep our mind stayed in him. Just like set your face like Flint. This is who I am. I can do it. I have the ability. I am anointed. And all of a sudden, heaven says, yes, we've got a can-do person. I tell you what, if you do that, you will get all the angels because there's a lot of Christians that are grasshoppers. And if you're a can-do person, it attracts heaven. Ephesians 3.16 says that Paul says he's praying that we would, from his glorious resources, be empowered with strength within us. Man. I can do it. I've got a capacity. I've got this, I've got this ability, this, this stuff in me. I can do it. You know, sometimes I have to say that before I preach. I can do it. Because sometimes when I get to preach, my mind's blank. Literally. Help. I say, I can do it. You've called me. You've called me. And you've anointed me and you've put something within me. And, and I recognize that. I recognize there's something great within me. It's the same for you in your workplace. Sometimes you get to work and you think, I don't know anything. That's okay. You've chosen me and you've put something within me. You've given me this supernatural ability. Of God we are in Christ, who was made for you wisdom, righteousness and sanctification. God has given you everything that you need. You're not stupid. You're not stupid. Did you hear that? Because yes. you operate at a higher level of wisdom. The Bible says he will show you things to come. You may not know what two plus two is, but if you know what tomorrow holds, you have the advantage. I can do, and it says, all things. Did you hear that? Now, that doesn't mean you've heard this. You know, the mother says to their son, you can do anything you like. No, no, that's not true. He can't sing. We all know that. There's some things God's not going to change. If you can't sing, don't bother. Like sing to the Lord, but don't sing to me. It's not your gift. So what he's saying is, I can do all things. Now there's a revelation. Just take that bit home. In my sphere, he's saying, you can do 
everything I've created you to do. There is a vast thing. Now, that's not limiting you. Oh, he says, I can't sing. Well, maybe you can't. But guess what? There's a whole lot of other things in the world that God has created you to do that you haven't even begun to skim the surface of what he has for you. He says, you can do all things. That says, I have a capacity, put that on the screen, for great things. Did you hear that? I have a capacity for great, great things. I am chosen by God. I have confidence in my ability. Now I'm saying I have a capacity for great things. Far and wide is my capacity. You can't put new wine in an old wine skin. And you can't put a larger life in a restricted mindset. You've got to enlarge your thinking. I can do many things. There are things that God has designed for you to do that you haven't even begun to scratch. All discover. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. God is always offering you new choices, new avenues, new opportunities, because that's the way God is. I can do So, maybe it's time to launch out again into the deep. Launch out again. Take another risk. Oh, but I fished and I failed. Well, fish again. God's calling you. All that matters is Jesus said, go out again. Did you hear that? Here's a thought. God has more in store. God has more in store. Well, I fished. I didn't get much and I've quit. Well, go back out again. A little bit I might fail, but you might not fail. God's calling you. Try again. Seven times the prophet sent his servant to look for a cloud. Well, I'm not going out again after the third time. You're making a fool of me. This has been recorded. Everyone's going to see it in history. The man that failed looking for a cloud. <laughs> Go out again. How many times? Seven. A man dips in a river six times, comes up. Looking as worse as ever. Now his skin's not only full of leprosy, but it's wrinkled. And he's wet and he's cold. And there's leeches on him. And a crab on his bottom is coming out. He's saying, this doesn't work. And he says, go out again. Go out again. You've got a capacity, not just for great things, but for endurance. You've got a capacity to see what God sees. And in the going out, you're creating a capacity within to hold the capacity that you're going to govern. God's not silly. He's not sending you out because he thinks, oh, you know what? He's caught me by surprise. Keep sending him out, delay him, and let's get it fixed up over here. He's not like that. Well, seven times maybe, uh, he's, he's not doing that. He's got it all planned. He's building your capacity because you're designed to do amazing things, a capacity for greater things. I can do all things. There's no limit. Seven times in the scriptures, God says, what do you see? There's a good question. Do you see yourself with great capacity? What do you see? So I say to you today, when it comes to capacity, you've got to expose yourself to things that you've never seen before. You've got to go where success is. God's saying, what do you see? Well, I just see a little life in a nice house with my debts paid and enough to go around Australia in a camper van and then I'm going to retire. He's saying, what do you see? Now, that's not wrong to do that. But what do you see? Expand. Sorry, expose yourself to success. So sometimes I go to places that I don't belong in the natural and just sit there and look. 
But what am I saying? Expand. Look for the rich. See how they operate. Begin to smell the air. See, if, if you have a, go where an atmosphere of success is, you'll get an image of success. See, if you stay on this side of town, in the atmosphere of limitation, you'll get an image of limitation. So you go where big people are and you smell the atmosphere of success and then you get an image of success. Building capacity. See, you've got to work with God. Okay, God, let's, let's stretch this thing. Let's stretch what I can believe for. See, because when my spiritual sight is shut down and I can't see a greater capacity, it cuts me off from the life of God. Ephesians 4 says that the Gentiles, what marks a Gentile is that their imagination is cut off from the life of God. I've got to be able to see what he sees. He says, what are you seeing, Andrew? Are you seeing a big capacity? Are you seeing a range of things? Are you seeing your success in that area, in that area, in this field, in that field? If I can see in the invisible, God can do the impossible. Sarah saw in the invisible in Hebrews 11, 11, and she conceived. She saw. She saw that she had a capacity within her to be the mother of nations. If I can see in the invisible, if I can see what God sees, if I get myself in a, an arena of success and begin to dream with God, what if, God, these rich people were in church? What if we owned this land? What if we had this to do that? You begin to dream and see with him. And all of a sudden, our capacity grows and you can't remain around small things anymore. This is one of my favorite passages, and I'm almost finished. Genesis 13, 14, God comes to Abraham. And you remember this story? He says, after Lot, his name means veil, after he'd been taken away, God says to Abraham, right, lift up your eyes now, Abraham, and look and see. And he says to Abraham, for the land which you see, I will give to you. Did you hear that? What you can see in the spirit, God says, I'll give to you. Believe, and then you'll have it. Believe and you receive. Whatever you see, Abraham, I'll give to you. And it says of Abraham, it says that he then began to walk around the land. But the funny thing is that God didn't give him the land that he immediately walked around then. God gave him the world. How do I know? Romans 4 says he was an heir of the world. So what was God saying to Abraham? He wasn't saying, walk around this little area that you're in, east, west, north and south, and, and wherever you can walk in a day, I'll give you Abraham. So Abraham walked really fast because he knew that he had one shot at it and all that land was his. No, he was walking in his realm of faith. He began to see. He walked out the four corners of the world. He walked out the future and the past. He encapsulated it all in his mind. And God says, I'll give you that. I've told you, one hour of meditation is equal to 100 hours of toil. If you can see it in your mind. How is it that we, me, you, we, the church, how is it that we spend so much time with worry and anxiety, toiling, practical work, trying to make things work, and we spend so little time imagining with God like Abraham did that he would give us the nations? If you can see it, you can have it. I can do all things through. We become a conduit 
through. See, if I will believe this way that I've taught today, I become a conduit for Christ. If I don't believe what I said today, that conduit is cut. Well, doesn't God work through me anymore? I'll tell you why. You're the problem. I'm the problem. We don't think, I can do all things. So the conduit's shut. It's our unbelief. It's our small thinking. No problem with the life of God. You're filled. You're complete in Him. You've got everything you need, but you just it's the way you think. It's the way that you live your life. It's the small-mindedness. It's the pettiness. Are you hearing this? It's your decision-making. It's your refusal to build your mind. I'm going to hit on a taboo subject just for 30 seconds. Is that okay? And I love you. I'll just say that before I say it. This is because I, I do love you. But if you will not build your mind, you cut yourself off from the life of God. You say, I can't read. I've got the answer for that. It's called iTunes, audiobook. Some of the greatest thinkers in the world, the greatest, uh, they, they can't even read. Some of them are dyslexic. And, and they literally use audiobooks and they memorize it. And they study and they study and, and they prepare themselves and they expand themselves and the power of God begins to flow through them. You can do it. You can do it. I, I want to confront the lie that, that has put you in a box that says, you'll never grow, this is not you, you're dumb. My friend, that's called deception. You are believing a lie. Yeah, but you don't know me. I don't need to know you. I'm telling you the truth. You have limited yourself and now you wonder where the power of God is. I'll tell you where the power of God is. It is bursting to get through and you've shut the valve for God to flow through your limited thinking. We see it with Jesus over and over again. He could do no mighty works in his hometown because they shut the valve and said, you're not a prophet, you're a carpenter. He goes to another town where there are Gentiles and they see him as the Messiah and the valve is open and he does wondrous works. I can do all things through, so I become a conduit. My behavior, my thinking enables God to flow through me. There's no limitations of what he'll do through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. Christ is not his surname, Jesus Christ, like Andrew McGrath. Christ is a, is a picture of the anointing that he carried. He's the anointed one and he, it represents the anointing. I can do all things through the anointing. That strengthens me. I have his anointing. It is strengthening me today. Listen as we finish what strengthening me means. It's literally his anointing is my enabling ability. It gives me power for miracles. This is what strength means. It gives me moral power and excellence in my soul. In other words, his strengthening power is shifting the way I think, feel and choose. It's power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. That's what his strength is. Are you hearing this? It is power and resources arising from numbers. That's influence. It is power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, and hosts. What, what is that? that he, he's saying, my power in you will, will bring all of heaven's army. Remember Jesus... When he's facing the cross, he said, I could call how many legions? 72,000 angels. 12 legions. 6,000 in a legion. 72,000. I told you that one angel, 
could kill over 100,000 men. So he was saying, I have resources behind me right now to wipe out half the earth if I wanted to. Today's terms, not his terms. Back then it would have been the whole earth. That's the resources that you have behind me. And Paul says, I, Paul, can do all things because Christ, the anointing, has enabled me and that strength within me brings the armies of heaven, the resources of heaven, the power to overcome within me. He is my strength. He was a dynamite because he knew who was in him and he knew if he just began to think how God thought, to see himself how God saw, he knew the power of God would flow through him. Are you hearing this today? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Do not quit. Do not give up. Shake off negativity. Like when the viper grabbed a hold of Paul, he shook it off. He said, that will not be part of my DNA, for I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Some of you have been plagued by negativity, doubt, unbelief. God, the enemy's told you to give up. This is what you do to the enemy. Shake him off. Shake him off. Shake him off. Paul, die. Has anyone got a tourniquet? No, shake him off. Why? Because his power is of no power. His bite is powerless. Shake him off and get on with your job. He will not take you out. You will not die. You will proclaim the name of the Lord. And some of you today need to shake off all the garbage that the enemy has been spewing over you. You get the word of the Lord. You say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I might, I might be in poverty, but poverty is not in me. I might have sickness, but sickness is not in me. You do not belong. Get behind me, Satan, for I can do all things through Christ. It is a battle, my friend. But when you get a revelation that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you will do great things for God. My prayer is that, see, my job is not to fill the pews. My job is to fill people. And if I fill you with greatness, we'll change this city. If you leave this place thinking there is nothing I cannot do. It may not happen today, but as you believe that, things will begin to change. You will get momentum as you stick at it and we don't quit. God will drill this deep and deep. He's doing it in me. I, I believe for three days, I quit for one. I believe for four days, I quit for one. I believe for five days, I quit for one. And eventually, I don't quit. Yeah. Are you getting this? So you leave this place determined that God has set you apart, chosen you, called you, increased you, given your ability, increased your capacity, that this city needs you. You need to get up in the morning and think, I, I, this city is depending on me. God, what is my assignment today? Use me, prepare me, get a focus about your life. Get out of bed and begin to believe. Don't look and say, well, you know what? There's not much I can do. I'm very silly. Don't believe that. I can do all things. If you don't know any other scripture, just begin to recite that over and over again. I, put your name there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Meditate on it. Get it deep inside you. And you know what? Things will begin to shift and change. Do you feel bigger? Yes. Expose yourself to atmospheres of success. Expect favor. Look for it. Change the way you think. Look for favor. Call favor. 
Speak it out. Favor, 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 favor. His power cannot flow through vessels filled with inferiority, unbelief, and fear. His power flows through people that expect it. Favor, 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 favor. Opportunities, success, breakthrough, increase. Oh, that sounds strange. Now it's called the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Increase my capacity. So why don't we pray today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your words are spirit and they are life. And I see now in the spirit you increasing people. I see an expansion taking place in lives. You have just come inside them and you've shaken up and you've put your hands out and you said, increase. You're increasing us on the inside. You're making room for more in our lives. So I speak to every spirit, every mind that is, can hear my voice, both in this place, uh, th those that listen on the internet, I speak over you, supernatural increase this day. I say over the kingdom that you were born for such a time as this, and the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. It begins like a mustard seed, and then it becomes the biggest plant in the garden. I speak to you that God has not finished yet, and He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or imagine. So let the Holy Ghost loose in your life and say to him, what can we do together today? Lord, enlarge us. Enlarge us, stretch us, enlarge, enlarge, enlarge us. I pray from the youngest to the oldest, may they leave this place full of determination to let you loose in our lives. Father, we say don't let us limit you. We won't be like the children of Israel that limited the Holy One of Israel. But we say our God is a big and great God who does wondrous things. He chooses the food foolish things to confound the wise that no flesh would glory in his presence so we say lord flow through us our sufficiency is of you and you've made us powerful powerful people royal people a holy priesthood you've called us kings and priests so i call right now people into the marketplace, to every mountain, every field in this city. I release Christians with big ideas and big dreams and big hopes. I call you into the business field. I call you into media. I call you into education and government and family. And I say, Father, release your favor on your people. Cause them to see what you see, Lord God. And we come against every limiting thought of the enemy and we bind you in the name of Jesus and we say to you Satan we are here to stay and his kingdom is going to increase until it suffocates all that you have done we call it now and I speak into your spirit tenacity I speak steadfastness in your spirit you will not quit you will not give up you will overcome self-pity you will be disciplined I pray now the discipline of the Holy Ghost God has not given you a spirit of fear but 
full of love and power and of discipline. He is coming into you. He's caused you not to be weak. He says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. And you will not quit. You will not give up for God won't let you give up. He is in you. He is an overcomer. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He's put faith inside you that will overcome every work of darkness. And you felt like you couldn't go forward. You felt like it was all over. But God says, I'm giving you a second wind. I'm coming like a rushing mighty wind. And the winds of adversity have come against you. I'm going to teach you how to hoist the sail. And you will use the wind of adversity to progress further than ever before. And the very wind that came against you to push you off course, God's going to use that wind to cause you to go further than ever before. And you will say, let the wind blow because it will be the very force that will take you from one side to the other. So I pray now in the name of Jesus for spiritual strength and might in your inner man. I'm speaking now spirit to spirit, deep to deep. And I call into your spirit a tenacity and a fire of the Holy Ghost that will cause you to never, ever, ever quit. In the name of Jesus, I speak deep into your spirit. I transact in the realm of the spirit. I go right deep into the innermost part of your being and I breathe hope and life today. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's give him the praise now in Jesus' name.